good to be back with you. Uh, Bryce asked me a few weeks ago if I'd be available this weekend to preach, and I said, yes, I think I am. And then I said to my wife, she went, no, you're not. I went, really? <laughs> Why not? I was like, don't forget, we're going down to North Carolina. That's where Rhonda and Danielle are. I went, oh boy. So I called Bryce back and I said, Bryce, um, my wife and I, after 30 some years, are still learning to communicate. So uh, he's like, don't worry about it. I'll figure something out. I said, listen, if you can't, I will do it. Don't worry about it. He said, okay. Uh, then that Sunday, he preached about, do not make an oath that you can't keep. And I went, oh, man, I just did that. <laughs> he called me back. He said, look, I have tried. I said, Bryce, I said I would do it. I am good to do it. So I'm excited to be able to bring you the word this morning. If you are not doing anything tonight, I'd encourage you to come out to Stewart's Park. Um, I am going to bring a game. It's called Cube. Have any of you ever played Cube? No, just one. Great, two. So uh, I'm going to bring Kube. Kube is, a, is the equivalent of cornhole, but they played in Sweden. It's a little bit different. It's like the backyard Swedish yard game. Uh, so it should be um, pretty, pretty fun. So our sermon today is about in, from Matthew chapter 6. And one of the things I've learned is that Americans, probably like most people in the world, tend to worry. If you think about all the things that we're hit with, we worry. I was looking at an article about the top five things that Americans worry about. What do you think's on the list? Money. Money. Boy, that was almost in unison. Nice job. I'm going to set this down here. Money. What else? Family. Family. Yep. Work. Work. Yeah. And it's interesting, God prepares you and sometimes to preach. And I'm going to share with you a work situation that happened to me this week. What else? Health. 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 Yes. Yeah. And so we worry about if God's going to do what we want him to do, or, you know, and, you know, I'm trying to relate. It's a, you know, control shift. I don't know how to describe it. You described it very well. Yeah. It's a control thing. And sometimes we worry about the past. That was the fifth one. Um, things that we can't do anything about. David's uh, story today worked out really well. But there are things that have happened to me, things that have happened to you. I can't, I can't fix some of the dumb decisions that I did. I can't fix the future that I get worried about. So personally, we worry about things, but then we also worry about things as a society. And sometimes I think our news really feeds that. So here were some of the headlines. Temperatures over 100 will cause the oceans to dot, 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 dot. 
Uh, a friend of mine wrote on Facebook, it was so hot this week that he was out walking and ran into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, read the story. So we, we worry about things that are completely out of our control. The pirates traded Carlos Santana. Well, okay, I'm a Pirates fan. Maybe not to worry, but we worry about things like that. Some of you that um, were born uh, pre-2000 uh, have no idea what I'm going to, or post-2000, have no idea what I'm going to talk about. But you remember the worry of Y2K. Y2K, so those of you that don't know what Y2K is, Y2K was in 1999, everybody was like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen on December 31st at 11.59 p.m. and the clocks have to turn from 1999 to 2000. What is going to happen to this world? Nothing. But we all worried about it. We're going to can things. We're going to take things and put them in storage. We're not going to go anywhere because if I drive somewhere, what's going to happen to my car? It's going to shut down because the computer is not going to know how to go from this time to this time. And there was a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety over that. And I remember so clearly, I was teaching middle school and I was standing in the hallway while kids were passing and Ken Vinton, our art teacher, was standing beside me. And Ken's like, what are you doing to prepare for Y2K? I said, well, uh, not a little bit, not a whole lot. I mean, we bought a little extra food. He's like, oh, you got to do more than that. You gotta, he's going on. He's like, aren't you worried about it? I said, Ken, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? He's like, you're going to run out of food. I said, I could stand to run out of food for a little while. What else, Ken? He's like, this whole society is going to crumble and this. I said, Ken, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? We're all going to die. And I said, Ken, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're a Christian, so this doesn't really bother you. I said, Ken, big picture. No, we had a really interesting discussion after that. We worry about, uh, if you remember five or six years, maybe more than that, 10 years ago, Hostess announced, we are filing bankruptcy. There will be no more Twinkies. And Twinkies were selling at a crazy amount on eBay. And I remember I honestly, on my way home, so I worked at, I still do, at California University in Pennsylvania. And on the way home, there was a Hostess outlet. <laughs> so I'm like, I've got to stock up on some Twinkies. So I stopped. They're all sold out. But, we, but there's some anxiety that comes with that. And we allow that anxiety to kind of cripple us and to paralyze us. So about a month and a half ago, my wife and I and my oldest son, Joel, and his wife, Michaela, were on a trip. We went over to England. And uh, we were sitting in a restaurant. And we're talking, having a good time. This guy comes in. He's like, hey, I'd like to sell you these magazines. And we're like, we don't want any magazines. Just go. No, but he's, and he's talking about these magazines. I'm looking around like, does anybody see this guy? And he finally leaves. And we're like, that was kind of just weird. We're on the way home and we're walking back to the hotel and Michaela goes, I lost my phone. I said, what do you mean you lost your phone? I said, Joel, let's go back to the restaurant. She went, the guy selling the magazines. He put the magazines over my phone and while we were talking, he reached and he picked up the magazines and picked up her phone and walked out 
And I went, oh, we worry about, as crazy as it seems, we worry about our phones. What's going to happen to me if I lose my phone? And, I, uh, and I'm sure Joel will listen to this because he helped me put some things together for this. I was so amazingly proud of them. They'd been married not even two years at that point. And I went, how are they going to handle this? Because I know after 30-some years, Rhonda and I might have handled it. They handled it so well. She's like, it's okay. It's a phone. Joel, you have to take some pictures. When I tell you to take a picture of something, take a picture of something. And they handled it so well, I was so proud of them. I'll tell you what's coming down the pike, some of you will worry about, is AI. If you don't know what ChatGPT is, ChatGPT is this software program, artificial intelligence, where I could actually go in and say, prepare me an outline on Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 33, and it will do it. By the way, I didn't do that for this, <laughs> but it's that possible. Um, we, have some, we had some friends over, and, and he just graduated from college, and he was in computer engineering. And he said that they have perfected this technology so well that if I send an email to somebody, their AI will read the email, read our past emails, and email me back with him never opening his outlook. Oh, and my AI will also respond back to him. Well, those are things we can't control. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6. And kind of the theme that I want you to think about today is this. God is sovereign. I can trust him all the time. Now, it doesn't say God is sovereign. You can trust him. We can trust him. I can trust him. Because if, if God is sovereign, which means every single thing is under God's control, there is nothing that happens where God looks down and says, oh, I was not supposed to go that way. There is nothing that happens that God does not say, time out, not what I had planned. So if God is sovereign, I can trust him in the midst of craziness, in the midst of what am I going to do about this, in the midst of worry that sometimes paralyzes you. I can trust him. And I can trust him all the time. Not part of the time, not some of the time, all the time. I can trust him. Not because I have control, not because I've done anything to control the situation, but because God is sovereign. So in Matthew chapter 6, it begins like this. Therefore, and you'll love this slide, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you should always say, what is the therefore, therefore? So I want to take you back, and I want to kind of put a picture in your mind of what was going on. So in chapter 5, remember, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. He's on a mountain. He's teaching his disciples, which could be the 12, but it is also probably a larger group than that. And I want you to imagine that uh, as the people listen to them in the context of their day, what they were like. They probably had one or two outfits. They probably didn't shower every day. 
They probably spent the day figuring out what am I going to eat that day. And not like it was when we would go camping where we would go, well, it's breakfast. What are we going to have for a snack? And at snack, what are we going to have for lunch? And that's not that. It's what am I going to eat? So that's the picture of what is happen- what the people are like that time. And imagine a young man walks up, sits down beside his friend, says, hey, uh, what's going on? Oh, Jesus is teaching all these really cool things. Be quiet, i got to listen. And Jesus says, therefore, he goes, wait a minute, I missed it. What do you mean, therefore? So in this passage, the therefore says, look at all of the things that I've just talked about. I'm going to kind of encapsulate them for you. And it's a transition from chapter 6 to chapter 7 on here is what's coming next. So I'm going to do a really fast, quick review of what the therefore is there for. So hang with me. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 5. I don't have the slides for Chris because we're going to go at light speed through 5 and 6. In chapter 5, Jesus begins. He said, seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain. When he sat down, the disciples came to him. And then he goes through all of the Beatitudes. Right? He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who, who hunger for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted, blessed are those who insult you. So he goes through all of these things, and I think it's a way that Jesus is saying, these are the people, this is what's different now. In that society, you would look at those people and say, well, that doesn't make sense, what Jesus is saying. It's not, one plus one is not adding two. Blessed are those who insult me. That's blessing? That doesn't make sense. But he's preparing them, and with this, he's preparing them for matters of the heart. In verse 12, he says, blessed are you. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, how, how is that a blessing? That doesn't make sense. So that's the first section. The second section, in verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then down a little bit later, he says, you are the light of the world. So he's transitioning from here are the blessed people to here's what you need to do. You are You are salt and you are light. As you go into this world, impact it. Don't wander aimlessly throughout this world and say, well, things are good. I don't really want to say I'm a Christian. I don't really want to demonstrate love to people. I'm just going to keep it all to myself and just exist. That is not what Jesus was telling his disciples to do. And keep in mind, he's telling these people who are a poor people, who struggle to get food, who have one or two outfits, you are the salt, you are the light. Go impact your world. Now, in their minds, they probably went, and how do you want us to do that? Impact the world? Impact these people? And he goes on. 
in verse 17. He's, and he, he now shifts, and Bryce has been doing a message on all of this, where he says, you have heard it said, but I tell you, right? Um, in verse 17, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not a, a, an iota, not a dot. Uh, will pass from law until it's all accomplished. So he's talking about, I am now coming to, in a way, to take away the burden of the law. The burden of legalism to say, I have to do these rituals and these things. Rather, it's now, again, a matter of the heart. So he talks about, um, you've heard it said, do not murder, I say, even if you're angry. You have heard it said, uh, do not commit adultery. I say, even if you look at someone lustfully. By the way, if you've missed any of these weeks, go back onto the website, pick up the sermon. You have heard it said, do not divorce. I say, anyone who does commits adultery. Uh, you have heard it says, do not take an oath. Did I do that, Chris? Uh, but fulfill your oaths to those you say. Verse 38 he talks about um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, talking about revenge. He talks about um, do not resist an evil person. Give your shirt. Remember, this is a couple weeks ago. Uh, walk two miles if you're asked to walk one mile. Such a foreign concept to them. Verse 43, he asks, love your neighbor and love your enemies and those who persecute you. So this is, this is a... If it, and I want you to kind of think of the context. Here's Jesus on a mountain talking, and he is saying such a radical different approach to life. Don't do all these things that the law said you had to do. The law is fulfilled in me. You can now live like this. And then he says in verse 16. Uh, I'm, oh, jump, jumped ahead of myself. He talks about giving to the needy. Chris, I'm going to adjust this if you want to just. All right, let's try that. There we go. In verse, um, chapter six, he talks about giving to the needy, which, by the way, were those people. He, he talks about in, in verse five about the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, don't do it like this like the hypocrites who would stand and just gloriously pray so everybody would say, wow, you are such a great person who prays. You're such a great prayer. Don't be like that. Go in privately and pray so nobody sees you because it's about the relationship that you have with the Lord. And he says, if you're going, when you go to pray, pray like this. And then he gives the Lord's prayer. In verse 14, he says, forgive others who trespass. Not a common theme. And he talks about fasting in verse uh, 16, laying up treasures in heaven. Uh, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either they will hate one or love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So that brings us to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, where he says, therefore, I'm wrapping all this up for you. I tell you, 
Oops, sorry, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? To the people that were sitting there, that made a ton of sense. Don't worry about your food. I'm going to provide for you. And he gives some examples in a second. I'll share how he does that. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you drink. Those probably were the three most important things to them. So let me ask you this. If we were to rewrite this for 2023, it would say, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Then what examples would Jesus have used? Social media. Do not worry about Facebook, Twitter, whatever else there is, Instagram. Finances. Do not worry about your finances. Do not worry about money. What else? Do not worry about your health. Do not worry about your family. Do not worry about, and the list goes on and on. By the way, it's those same things at the beginning we said, what do people worry about most? Now, I want to make it clear what this doesn't say. And I was going to make a slide, and I decided, hmm, probably not going to do that. There's also, you've got to watch out for bad theology. Okay, bad theology comes in that says this. Do not worry about your life. Okay, then I can just go live however I want to live. Matter of fact, I don't have to do anything. I don't need to get a job. I don't need to take care of myself. I don't need to talk to my family. I don't need to, I'm not even going to worry about anything. I'm just going to live freely. That is bad theology. It also doesn't mean do not worry about the life because in, at some point when you pass away, you'll be with the Lord. It doesn't mean that either. But it means big picture. Don't worry about what's going on in your life. Now, thankfully, at the end of this, Jesus will say how to counter that. Because if you are like me, if, if you've had children and you raise children or he has nieces, nephews, or anywhere around kids or even adults, the more you say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, they tend to do this and this and this and this. Uh, when I was teaching junior high, there was a, a discipline uh, program that we used that said, always tell the children, I need you to stop doing this and start doing this. And he'll do this at the end of, end of this passage. Because sometimes people will worry about, okay, I'm not going to worry anymore. Oh, wait, I'm worrying now. I... So we also want to watch out for bad theology. It doesn't mean... I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. That is absolutely what it doesn't mean. Scripture is very clear that we're expected to work. Scripture is very clear we're expected to interact with other people. Scripture is very clear that we are to live our life as if we are a, a fragrant offering to the Lord. And in Matthew earlier, it says, to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That is how we're to live out this life. 
So it doesn't mean uh, those other things. So do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more food, more than food, and your body more than clothes? I don't think, um, Bryce I know likes to ask questions, I like to ask questions. I don't think that was a question that Jesus wanted an answer to. I think it was a bit of a rhetorical question. So in verse uh, 26, he goes on. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he gives this example about, I will provide for you. Look at the birds. There was a, I'm reading a book called Storms in the Desert. And it's written by a lady who served as a missionary in China and Japan with her husband in the turn of the century, 19, early 1900s. And her husband became very ill while they were serving in China. And she actually took care of him and uh, cared for him for about six years and went through a very, very difficult time. And in this book, uh, this was one of the poems that, they, that she had in there. I thought this is a really, really good poem. It says this. It says this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why those anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that, that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. An interesting quote, it's an old Scottish poem, it was in this book, Streams in the Desert. I was sitting on our porch and while I was kind of going through some of this, a hummingbird came up to our feeder and everyone's, wow, my wife and I compare like, did you put stuff in the feeder? Did you? I, oh, I forgot. I have never had a hummingbird come to me and say, Dan, we're out of food. Can you please get us some food? There's no more of that sweet syrup that's in our honey, uh, hummingbird feeder. Because God takes care of them. How does this apply to us? So let me first say that the word worry in this passage is not about concern. We used to tease my mom and her mom that they would worry so much that if they didn't have something to worry about, they would sit and they would worry that they didn't have something to worry about. But it's not about that. It's not, this is a, a, a worry that's like a fretting. It's like in a, something is just an obsession, something that paralyzes you that I just can't go on anymore. It's not concern. Concern is I am concerned about your well-being. I am concerned about this situation. 
Because that concern should drive us to action, right? And that might be picking up the, friend, picking up the phone and calling a friend. Calling someone and say, can we meet for a cup of coffee? It might mean, hey, you know what? I see those people are in need. I'm going to help them out. That's not worry. That's concern. And that's a very biblical thing that we ought to be doing. Worry is when you are just paralyzed. And I'll give you an example. So in my job, I work at, um, it's called Pennsylvania Western University. It's an it's a integration of three universities in Western Pennsylvania. And in my role, I report to the president, and my president is a very, very smart lady. She did her master's and doctorate at Oxford University, probably the smartest person I have ever, ever met. Very, very good, but sometimes I feel like I am this big. And for the past two weeks, it's been paralyzing. And I was at the point where I'm like, maybe I should look for a new job. Maybe I should just retire. I'm not old enough to retire. What am I going to, and I, Ron and I would talk about it, and I went, and I think maybe she said to me, she's like, why don't you just call her? Ah, call her? So I had uh, my own meeting with her earlier in the week, and I would say, here's what's going on. We're doing this. She's like, what? What are we doing? I'm like, ah. And I would get to the point where I'm just kind of paralyzed with her because everything I say is going to be wrong. And so I finally called her. And I said, could you just help me out and understand something? It was, on a, it was Wednesday night. She's like, yeah, what do you need? I said, I don't understand. Am I doing something wrong? Am I always wrong? Are you just always angry? Is that just the way you are? I, I'm just, she's like, why do you think that? I'm like, oh, man, here we go. I said, because every time we meet, I feel like I'm in trouble. She's like, absolutely not. You're doing great. I went, Really? She's like, why do you think that? I said, I said, Tuesday when we met, the things that I had on my agenda, you jumped on. Yeah. I'm like, is it me? She's like, no, I'm just really passionate about what we're trying to get done. I'm like, oh. She's like, Dan, listen to me. You're doing fine. Don't worry about this. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm preaching about that on Sunday. It's easy to say. But that worry was so close to me, it paralyzed me. That's this kind of worry. So much that I just can't seem to function. And Christ is really pretty close, or pretty simple on it. Do not worry. I tell you, do not worry. And I think the best part of this whole passage is at the end. In verse um, 30, it goes on. But if you, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So let me come back to what my theme is. God is what? Sovereign. I will trust him all the time. It's really simple. I'm going to ask it as a question. If God is sovereign, what do I need to worry about? You're doing a terrible job at your job. Okay, I'm going to go figure it out. What do I need to worry about? Well, this situation, it's paralyzing me. 
God is sovereign. Nothing surprises him. I will trust him all the time. In 1991, I was a grad student in Bowling Green, Ohio. And a week before, my mom and dad came to visit. We had a wonderful time. And um, the next week, my mom called and said, your dad has had a heart attack. I said, should I? He's in Erie. I said, should I come? She's like, no, 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 no. It's all going to be good. It's fine. Proverbial words. Don't worry about it. Uh, I don't remember the day of the week. She called and she said, something has gone wrong. You better get here. So I drove. I got probably around Cleveland and I pulled off for a payphone. Those of you that, the young people who didn't go back, payphone is the things that you go up to a gas station, put a couple quarters in. I didn't have a cell phone. I don't know if many people did. If they did, they were in a big bag. And I called a friend of mine and I said, how's my dad? She said, he passed away. And instantly, in some really amazing spiritual way, the Lord put on my heart, be still and know that I am God. Like, no, but I should worry about this. Be still and know that I am God. God is sovereign. I can trust him. Why did all that happen? I don't know. Verse uh, 31, therefore, do not be anxious. It's, and it's interesting he repeats this the second time. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I can trust him. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I also need to point out that this is not a place where we also um, should inadvertently or maybe on purpose judge people who have anxiety. I have a very, very good, a good friend of our family who something happened and they still have no idea. Was going through life and something chemically changed in her brain. And now she is just almost paralyzed with anxiety. It would be completely inappropriate for me, my wife, any of you to come up to her and say, God said, don't worry. That's not going to help because it's just what's happened to her. So we need to also remember that there are people that, and I don't understand all that happens, um, we have to be very careful not to judge and say, you need to be like this. We need to express concern and come alongside them. And every once in a while, my wife will get a phone, phone call, and I'll say, it's her. She's like, I'll be back. And she just sits and talks because she has a lot of anxiety about her, about her husband, about their life. And we don't know why that happened. So we want, we want to also, bad theology alert would also say that this is not a law for people who uh, have a, a, an emotional imbalance or have a chemical imbalance. We can't go up to people and say, you need to stop worrying now. 
It's not going to help the situation. Been there, done that, it just doesn't help. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So this is the verse where Jesus is saying, don't do this, do this. And I'm convinced if we live a life where we are doing what God has says, here's how I want you to live, the other things seem to take care of themselves. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What do you think that means? It's not a rhetorical question. This is what I've called you to. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What's it mean, his righteousness? What does that look like? Ah, maybe, maybe what he just got done talking about, all of those things... <laughs> Because then he says, and all these things will be added unto you, and we'll talk about that in a second. His righteousness. Let me give two verses. First one is Malachi, chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with the Lord. Well, I don't know if that applies to me. It's Old Testament. It does apply. He's told you, O oh man, what the Lord requires of you. This is what I require of you. Do justice, love mercy, love kindness, and walk humbly with thy God. And the second one is Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. Imagine if, we apply those things on a daily, hourly, minute basis toward his righteousness. Not toward my glory, not toward me, not toward any of you, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. How do I love other people? And give the people that live beside you. How do I love them? You should see the people who live beside me. How do I love them? The people I work with, how do I love them? My family members that, mm, they're sometimes a little more, how do I love them? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Love the Lord, walk justly, love justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And then at the end he says, and all of these things will be added unto you. 
bad theology alert. It's this. Oh, good, if I do all these things, I will get every single thing that I want. No, that's not what he's talking about. All of these things are the things that he's been talking about in the previous chapters and verses, especially, I will take care of you. Don't worry about it. I'll make sure you have food. I'll make sure you have something to drink. I'll make sure you have something to wear. Context these are the people that said, I don't know what I'm going to eat today. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know where I'm, what I'm going to get to drink. You just didn't go over to the local store and buy a bottle of water. I don't know what I'm going to wear. Now, by the way, another bad theology alert is that is not my wife coming up and says, oh my goodness, we have to go to church. What am I going to wear today? Well, Matthew chapter 6 says, no, that's not that. In the context, they didn't worry, they didn't have much else to wear. In us today, do not worry about your job. Don't worry about your money. Don't worry about all the crazy things going on in this world. But instead of that, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all of these things, I will take care of you. you I will... You, I will take care of all of your needs. They'll be added unto you. So I would ask you this week, as you, as you go through this thing called life, that you be on the lookout for where are the things that God is revealing to me that I'm worrying about? Things that are paralyzing me so bad that I'm not functioning very well that I just lay in bed and go over and over and over again and I can't get them out of my mind. The things that I talk to my friends about and I say, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this? God is saying, instead of all that, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But that also does say there's time that we have to act. If it's something in your work, go talk to the people. If it's somebody in your family that's causing you to worry, go talk to them, pray with them, encourage them. If it's something going on outside of this world, outside of this you personally, the temperature is raising to 100 degrees in the ocean and all the icebergs are going to melt, you can't do anything about it anyway. Now, that's a lot easier said than done. And my encouragement is, is this. Focus not on all that, but on seeking his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Verse 34, therefore, yeah, there's another therefore, therefore. So at, he's kind of encapsulating all of what he said. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If Kim was here, she'd say amen. <laughs> don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. You're right. Philippians, it says, we are to cast all our cares on him 
because he cares for us. And, and I quoted that wrong, so I'm going to go back and look at my notes. Philippians 4, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, this is what it can drive us to, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the concern that you have, the worry that you have about things that are tomorrow and the next days, let it drive you to something else. How do I live for the Lord's righteousness? How do I live for his kingdom? Let it drive you to say, I need to pray. I need to come before the Lord and lay it at his feet. Lord, I'm really concerned about this. Because he doesn't want us to live that way. We don't have to. So with that, let me close in prayer. Father God, how great you are. Thank you, God, that you are sovereign, that everything going on in this world you have control of. Nothing surprises you. Nothing is outside of your wisdom. Nothing is outside of your bounds. It's all in your control. And Lord, while this world sometimes spirals what we seem like out of control, Lord, you are not because you are sovereign. Thank you, Lord, that I can trust you. I don't have to try to work out this life on my own. I can trust you for it because you're sovereign. And Lord, I can do that all the time. I can do it in the midst of chaos. I can do it in the midst of calmness. I can trust you, Lord, because you're sovereign. And God, I pray that as we reflect on this passage and read it again this week and uh, meditate it, I pray, God, that you would just move it in our hearts. Lord, convict us where we um, have worry that is just sinful. Convict us, Lord, where we are putting things uh, out of perspective. But Lord, encourage us and challenge us to seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, and then all these things are added unto you. And Lord, we say all this to your glory in your name. Amen.